Welcome to Bad Patient. I'm Robin. And I'm Laura. And we are two experts in training on life's big questions and little concerns. So, Laura, how's your life going? Somewhat stressed about the level of like work that I have to do, but like getting through it. I got a hundred on my last paper, which I'm like super duper excited Ooh. for. It took like five million drafts, and I went to like the writing center and I worked extensively with my professor. But I got a 15 out of 15. Boom shakalaka. Okay, so what are your tips for people who need to improve their writing? Since you have been hardcore focused on your writing lately. Um, so there are like lots of different ways. One, you should have a friend named Robin who will um, <laughs> respond to a panic team. <laughs> who, who is a professional editor. Yes, this helps. <laughs> defo, defo. Um, the other thing is I, I like bought Grammarly, the um, like prof- uh, professional one. Um, or the like the one individual where like you can use Grammarly for free, but the... Um, the one that I, the part that I typically. Sense or there's like too much information in a sentence. Right. And Grammarly highlights it and says readers may ha- find this hard to, <laughs> to read. <laughs> helpful. So yeah. That's helpful. Yeah. I get so many ads for Grammarly and it kind of kills me because I'm like, listen, I need a lot of things in this life, but like grammar help is not one of them typically. Um, but yeah, I've gotten so many ads for it that I've like tried to figure out a way of stopping getting ads for it on YouTube. So now I feel like, like I'm not mad at you, but I'm annoyed at the situation because I'm like, Grammarly, I will give you none of my time and attention. And here we are basically giving them a free ad on the podcast. Um, but hey, this is not an ad. And so that's good advice. I think what I learned from your process in the writing was that because I was kind of like, well, do you like if you read this, does this not like stand out to you? But I realized that what was happening in your case was like you were reading it, but your mind was like adjusting it. As, so like when you looked at it, you were like, no, it says exactly what I want. But like it didn't. But like. It was almost like an optical illusion where you had a sentence you were trying to say and like the words got switched around and you just didn't realize that. So, yeah, I could see where that would be like a really helpful tool. Laura, that being said, I do not want there to be a podcast segment on grammar. I would I just I can't. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, no, that's that's not what we're talking about today. Okay, so speaking of what we are talking about today, Laura, what is your word? What's your word that we should have heard <laughs> this week? Um, so Oh, with that at all? Yeah. Okay. There's a person in my professional development group who taught me about servant leadership and she's awesome. She was like a great example of a servant leader. So I have been looking into this too. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. What, what have you been, what have you been thinking about? So, um, servant leadership was like first like described in the seventies, um, by Dr. Greenleaf and he kind of created the, um, tenants basic form of it. So servant leadership is, uh, So it 
is looking at, you can kind of describe it in two different ways. Um, it's leader first uh, and the servant first are like two different extremes of types of leadership where the person who's a leader is a steward and kind of guiding and leading people from, um, from the bottom. There are 10 feeling, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to growth of people, and building. Yeah. And um, has been kind of picked up by, like, the um, religious community in the sense that, like, oh, Christians really strongly <laughs> identify with this as a sense that, like, an example of a servant leader would have been Jesus and the way that he. Uh, yeah. Christian ministry, but no. it is like if you're trying to like show true, um, true servant leadership is putting other people's as the highest priority and their needs being met first. And making sure that the community and the group are taken care of in order to ensure um, that it is um, that you're that those people are being healthier, wiser and freer. Yeah, Um, I think it's something that also you really have to be intentional about because like I'm looking at this on Wikipedia right now. I just pulled it up so I could, you know, get some context or whatever, because I really just know what this one person has described. Um, and one of the phrases in here is servant leadership is being practiced in some of the top ranking companies today. And I have this kind of ugly imagination in what's the noun form of something that you imagine an imagination shoot. Anyway, I have this, I have this picture in my mind of like just someone sitting down at like a big anonymous corporation and saying, listen, we're all servant leaders here. So, okay, that's the thing that we're doing. All right. Anyways, next, you know, <laughs> just moving right on. Because it's really something, I guess, you have to cultivate. So it's taking out all the, like, you'll do this because I say so. I mean, hopefully it's more consensus driven or more emotionally intelligent. Or it's about, like, it's about building building really strong teams and building people up. And, like, looking at the people working with you first and helping them develop and almost seeing like the goals of the organization as like a secondary outcome, which I think really, really works. But I could also see this being like a lip service kind of hollow promise thing in when we, when I, when I read like it's being practiced in top ranking companies, it's like, well, some people there, but I don't know that you could force someone to be a servant leader. No, you can't. But um, some examples of like companies that do it are like Johnson and Johnson. Um, but like, how do they quote do like, it? Like, well, part of it is like a decentralized management style of management where, Ooh. and then that also the corporate like creed is like to serve customers, employees, communities, and stakeholders. In that, mm, yeah, the most. Um, most important thing, but looking at the human resource as like it is um, so like it's the idea of like what's good for the customers is good for 
business. So looking Which to is do true. that yeah. first rather than the um, necessarily the bottom line. I think people have a hard time with trust on this. Like I know I've definitely been a part of conversations where um, talking about like manager employee relations and saying like servant leader perspective would be we have to trust people we have to give them the skills to do their best work we have to make sure that their needs are met in terms of like work-life balance and personal and professional growth in the workplace we have to respect them as human beings with autonomy and like valid opinions and ideas um and then like the pushback that i have heard from you know various organizations is kind of yeah, that's a nice idea, but in practice, I know this one person. So a lot of times you get like anecdotal pushback, like one bad seed kind of a thing. But of course, if that were the issue, then like that person's not a fit for your organization. Still, I, I can see where this is hard for folks that that came of age with a different paradigm. God, I hate myself for using the word paradigm, but like people who's who's the first 10 years of their work life were structured another way before this idea was common. I could see it being really, really hard, especially if you feel like you paid your dues in like an old system. At the same time, I think this is such a good idea. You know, if we really think of people who report to us first instead of, instead of like, all right, we got to make this much money. So we're going to like, Tell them to do this, and then the customer will be happy at the end. It's like, think about that first. I don't know. Do you feel like it's also an easier said than done kind of a thing? Absolutely. It's a much harder leadership style, and it requires you to be conscious of it and to, like, be making the effort. And so, like, that, that is harder. And it but takes a lot of time. the idea is that, like, yeah, but the idea is, like, you're going to be spending this time and energy anyway. So you might as well invest in your people. Right. I like it. All right. Yeah. Are so you... I, 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 like, I like servant leadership. It's a leadership style that I find interesting. I like how like your grad school career so far is like they like give you a list of ideas and you pick one. <laughs> You're like, here's my like, what was the one from last time? Was the like way of seeing the world or like way of... Um, gaining knowledge in the world or something the epistemology and ontology yeah what would it's just a, i like i i like to think of grad school as just like a fast food menu board and they're like all right pick a research orientation pick a way of seeing the world pick some values pick a leadership style all right next <laughs> we'll get you we'll get you out of this program in three weeks you're done um all right, Laura. Got this. Are you ready <laughs> to give me some hardcore advice shifting gears here a little bit? Absolutely. I can always give advice on things that I don't know anything about. I know. <laughs> I know. Actually, that's that's actually true about you. Um, okay. Here's the situation. I'm trying to like stop saying sitch, but I just love it. Um, okay. So here's the sitch. <laughs> it's, uh, partner and I are going on a trip. That is going to be for six weeks in French Polynesia. We've mentioned it on the podcast before, but in case you're new to this, um, yes, that's happening. So uh, we're, we're going to be in a very remote place with no medical care, with limited 
it's kind of off the grid. So they have like a little bit of power from solar panels and they have like water from a rain catchment system, but it's, it's very primitive compared to is primitive the wrong word. Is that like offensive? I don't know. It's, it's much uh, more pared down compared to what we have in the U S. And so a lot of the questions I even get asked about the trip are kind of like, well, that's not really how it works. You know, or people will say like, well, there must be, there must be someone there who would know how to provide medical care. And I think there's some cultural differences around like self-sufficiency as well. So, so I, in preparation for this trip, emailed my doctor and said like, I'm going here. Uh, can you give me something for like some kind of med, like, antibiotic question mark for emergencies question mark I don't know and he said yeah sure here's the thing he gave me <laughs> enough antibiotics for five days great um <laughs> let me there for six weeks so I was like ah. um and that's a whole separate thing and 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 someone made a great case to me recently for not taking antibiotics at all because you can mess it up and it might be better to use something else but my question is I found out like very recently that there's such a thing as a travel clinic that could give you really specialized advice to the place that you're going. It's pretty clear that my doctor, although helpful via email, you know, he was like, look on the CDC website, tell me what vaccinations they recommend. We'll get you those. Um, wasn't able slash willing to provide specific place type of information. Like, are we worried about parasites? What do we do about this? What do we do about that? So, um, we found out that there, there are these travel medical clinics. We're leaving, let me just say shortly. And, <laughs> and so my partner made an appointment at one of them because um, he hadn't talked to any medical person yet. And he had, you know, he has his own concerns he wants to have addressed. And so that made me realize, like, when I heard about the travel clinic, I just said, oh, well, that would have been nice, but not enough time. So, of course, we are in a mad dash, and of course, I'm traveling for personal reasons this week, um, giving a speech this week, and so part of my eight days is going to be spent, like, out of town. So the question is, do I, A, completely give up on this and just be like, travel clinic was great, and maybe he can ask a few questions, you know, he can gather information useful to both of us while he's there. And like, I feel like that's the low stress option. Do I be try to try to put one foot in both worlds and maybe like send him a few questions to be like, can you ask these things on my behalf? Like female specific things or whatever, or just try to like talk it through with him to hope that if there's anything really pressing that, that like the information can be shared with both, both of us or three, do I realizing that apparently they make very last minute appointments? Do I just make an appointment and go? Cause part of me is like, if, if I mean, they are just going to tell him exactly what my doctor told me, like hepatitis A, typhoid, be careful with what you eat, go, then there's no point in like spending all this money. But if they have some kind of like specific, Thing. I mean, I feel like if they have a specific thing that they prescribe for him, I could probably send an email to my doctor and say like, hey, I think I would like this as well. Would you would you be willing? So I'm just like, it's like we have limited time and yet I don't want to like not be careful with my health. And there's just there's too many things to really plan for every scenario. But if we were to have to get like if, if you were to need a hospital 
it would be costly. So we're getting like insurance for while we're there, but to whatever extent we can avoid needing a doctor or becoming seriously ill, like that's obviously preferable. So what do I do? Um, it is in three days. Can you uh, make an appointment for after that? <laughs> yes. <time>? And if, <laughs> yes, I can. If his. If <laughs> yeah. No, that's actually something I thought about. Well, what if I just make my appointment the next business day? And then if he gets everything that we need, then we just say, great. And if he gets something that I think I can't get elsewhere, then fine. And um, I don't know, because I also haven't been sure about the etiquette of asking my doctor for things like I wasn't even I thought he might say you have to come in for an appointment luckily in this case this doctor is someone that I saw just a few weeks ago for like an annual thing before I knew that we were going and so I was able to say like hey I was there you know within the last month and now we have this trip coming up you know so I I also want to be like respectful of this person's time and I certainly can't get in to see him before we go so um yeah. I okay, I like I like your compromise. Um and I just wonder like I mean, I don't know. I've like been to Mexico and I never heard of like a travel clinic and so now I'm just like does it if I don't do anything at all is that like the worst? Cuz I mean, I I also feel like I contacted no. my doctor like a number of weeks ago and if like travel clinic was like the thing that one must do, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't say, yeah, I'll give you these vaccines or whatever, and you should go do this. I kind of was like, okay, he seems fine with this. But I also recognize that when he's providing free care, he may not be providing the most thoughtful, high quality or best care, because if I wanted that care, I should pay for his time. So I was kind of, um, spoilers, Laura, I've been overthinking this in the last uh 10 minutes since I found out it was an option. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would I would kind of stretch the line and then if necessary get the prescriptions from the them. From there for the conversation. I think a doctor is typically uh, willing and wanting to engage with their patients in order to make sure that they have the best care possible. So I... Mm-hmm. Even though you didn't pay, like, the copay or whatever, like, I, I still think that yeah. he would respond um, by email. Yeah. That, that This is, like, a Standard. random scenario yeah. that's not going to come up again. So I think you're good that way. Okay. So, so you're saying let my partner go to the appointment, see if he gets, see if he gets what we need. If he doesn't, you know, have my appointment as a backup, ask my doctor if he would prescribe this stuff. And if he's like, no, then I show up at my appointment. <laughs> exactly. I'd be playing all the odds. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause I was, um, after I talked to the, my doctor, I realized that I kind of want a prescription for something. We, we consulted a Lonely Planet book and they were saying, hey, there's a fungal ear infection that is like the most common reason that travelers to French Polynesia end up seeking medical care. And if you can get these eardrops before you go, like that would be great because it's just, it's like not deadly, but it's like super painful. Um, so do you also think like, gotcha. I, I sent him 
one message, he res- he responded asking a question. I sent him another message. He called in prescriptions. Can I fairly be like, I guess so. I, could, I mean, he can say no. Absolutely. If he feels uncomfortable, then he wouldn't prescribe it or whatever. True. Um, or he might refer you to something else. But um, I think I think that's fine. And if he felt uncomfortable, he he showed that he can ask follow up yeah. questions. So cool. I think you're good that way. All right, will do. <laughs> so, what is your um, your your egghead concept for the week? I need to come up with a name for these segments. That would be fun. I mean, the first one can just be like word of the week, and the second one is like <laughs> advice slash ask Laura, and this one, big idea. What's your big idea this week? So, what I've been learning about in class is like. Um, coding and doing um, using statistical analysis to kind of look at like responses to different things and so that's been like really interesting I'm starting to play with like SPSS yeah uh, which is like a a computerized tool to help like create um, and so like it's just like the first week so it's like very basic like doing frequency looking at like sample data that they provided of like random things and looking trying to like you know be able to answer the questions in the book so like that's so i've been thinking about that and like how i'll be able to utilize that and like research be able to have like Surveys. good data so yeah so like one of the things was like looking at like whether or not you think you have a good life or whatever and like looking at like independent variables Wait, whether you have a good life? That's a that's a mm-hmm. huge question. Right, so it's like a big question. There you go. Wait, so like, wait, wait, time out, you... time out. Do you feel like you have a good life? Mm-hmm. This is such mm-hmm. an interesting question. Um, I think that I would say uh, I agree that I have a good life, not strongly agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in the last year I've been building up to a better good life. Um, and that I've been making a lot of changes in my life to like, Mm -hmm. right now. Um, but I'm definitely taking the steps to build it. Yeah. 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 that like in the future you will have a good life mm-hmm. and that is a hard agree yeah <laughs> no i think how about you mrs i'm about to go on a huge trip <laughs> that's miss for your information um yeah i'm excited okay no wait i'm gonna go back i'm backpedaling to yours i think that you're also like in a period of flux am i allowed to say the d word post-divorce I like that I can hear you thinking through all the list of d words I'm not saying that d word all right my mom (laughs) listened to this podcast (laughs) um no I think like I think like the divorce process was obviously like stressful and difficult and that like if you're capable of 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 projecting ahead and saying things are going to be good I think that's pretty great because there's also like there's periods of our lives when it's almost not fair to be like are you truly happy and you're like well I'm slogging through some like metaphorical garbage right now so it's kind of it's like yeah like I'm good but it's it's almost like not a helpful question um yeah so um so yeah I I think um like the divorce process was just like 
stressful and annoying um, because my former partner refused to participate in any way, um, which was very much on brand for him. Um, right. So it was just, like, frustrating that he, like, refused to participate, even though he, like, actively did not want to be married to me. So um, that was, like, the most challenging part, I would say, is that um, like he the dragging refused to it be out. an adult with me. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it could have been done within, like, three to four months, six at the most, but it ended up being over a year because of his unwillingness to, like... Right. Grow up. Right. Sign the damn paper. Like, not even, like, agree to, like, what I said, what I want, but... Doesn't sign for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. like everything that kind of blew up when he walked out. Mm -hmm. So, um, but like I, people and like, I, I really feel like I am a way better place and a much better trajectory than I was like two years ago. And I think we've talked about that a lot is like, is it's it's almost not right. about like where you are. It's about like if we were to if we were to make a what's that called like a like a scatter plot and then you like connect the dots. Shoot, I forget. But you know, it's like a if we were to make a graph and it's like how are you? How are you? How are you? I would almost prefer that you be like doing not great with like a sharp like upward trajectory than to be doing fine with like a with like a horizontal line where you're like you're doing fine and like nothing's going anywhere or like getting worse because I think like we tend to prioritize how people are doing in the moment without appreciating where they're feel like like school and like getting divorced and like being able to move on in like a lot of different ways like much happier than I was um before um and I'm just like so great grateful it's done (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah I mean it's been it's been really inspiring to watch I think um and and I also appreciate that you were like the sleeper hit in your um, friend group of folks going through this experience where we really thought you were bringing up the lead and, you know, like who was going to get divorced first. And you kind of jumped in there out of nowhere. Like if I knew about sports, I'd use a sports analogy here. But like you just, you know, it was like bottom of the ninth. And I was like, oh, home run. OK, we're done. You know, it just all of a sudden it all came together. So. Congrats, yo. Absolutely. And so, yeah. So I'm super stoked about winning that that very, very slow fucking race. 14-month <laughs> <laughs> race where, like, most months you were like, no progress. Uh, just wait. Well, right. I also feel like we le- what we learned about the court system is that um, if they need to move a paper from, like, the third floor to the fifth floor, they're going to need you to drive 40 miles round trip to do that for them. Like that interoffice mail does not yes. exist in the court system. No, it's not non-existent. Does not. And they can't. They can't email it. They cannot. It's very frustrating. No. I don't think they are not I don't in think 2019. They heard of email, really. <laughs> um, you know, 
I'm surprised they're not like sending you your final documents via like Pony Express slash Carrier Pigeon or like what was that little thing they used in uh, Harry Potter? The little uh, the owls, <laughs> Owl Express. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's like about this. The thing is like that's not a joke. That is the actual speed at which they do things. Like wasn't there some department that told you they only could check their mail once per month? They will only check once per month. If it's not there, yeah. if it comes, yeah. if someone sends something you're <laughs> and it comes on the the first day after they check it, you will wait 29 more days until they check it again. And they do not care. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's super bullshit. <laughs> All right. Um, so are you ready for an adventure update? Absolutely. Okay. So this one is... Um, Tahiti related. Um, we're uh, Tahiti's not our final destination. We're going to a place called Ahe, but um, I'm guessing that most of our listeners aren't aren't super up on their South Pacific geography. So if you if you know where Tahiti is, you're within 300 miles, and in this part of the world, that's close enough. Um, fun fact: the the nearest doctor also 300 miles away. So let's hope that this travel clinic thing super duper works out. Um, so the way that we're going to get food to eat when we're there is by is by um, hunting fish. And I say hunting and not fishing because um, I don't really know why they don't fish. Maybe it's not. I'm guessing it's not as efficient. You know, th- this is a big question I need to ask my partner. But so we are practicing spear fishing and pole spearing fish. Now, I don't know if you know, Laura, but there is a difference between spear fishing and pole spearing or something. I'm not sure exactly how they use these terms, but there is a spear gun and there is a pole spear. And so um, my most recent adventure of doing a thing that I've never done before, other than trying to catch crab Dungeness crab with my bare hands, which spoilers didn't go particularly well, is that we went to a pool practice for for learning this stuff. And it's um, like a local diving company. And they periodically will let you they rent out a pool at like 9 to 11 p.m. Because, you know, you need a you need a completely empty pool and they'll like set up targets and stuff and show you how to do it. So my update for you is that a spear gun one is gigantic Two is not lightweight. Three is not as, like, safe as, like, it's not as, like, when I think gun, I think of something kind of high tech. And essentially these things are like, it looks like a, it looks like a shotgun in shape, but maybe it's like, I don't know enough about guns, but you know, uh, it's, it's this big, long shotgun shaped, like wooden thing. And then there's like a spear, like a long pole with a little pointy end at the end of it. And you load it like, there's basically a huge couple of rubber bands that go around the that go around the, the end of the gun, like, and then which part of the gun is the muzzle? Is that the tip of it? I forget. Jesus. Uh, the muzzle is where the point the stuff comes out of. Yeah, the end. Okay, so you, there's like a rubber band kind of in the muzzle region of the gun, and in order to load the gun, like you think you're just like chunk chunk, no. No, you have to use like your, like all the strength that you have. And I'm telling you, like I do some heavy duty weightlifting once a week. I just biked a century. And I'm telling you, this was like, this was, uh, this was like maximum effort to pull back this gigantic rubber band and like, and like loop it on the, 
on the end of this thing, so it's tight. And then when you pull the trigger, the rubber band releases, you know, and that's, that's then the spear thing shoots out and you get the fish. But it takes forever to load the gun. I mean, depending on, like, I guess there's little kids in the in this part of the world that can do it because they have a lot of experience. But it takes, like, a decent amount of strength and maybe you have to get the angle just right. But you're basically, like, you're balancing the end of the gun on the front of your abdomen and then pulling this rubber band. So you're also, like, bruising your, like, I don't know what you would say, your abs, essentially. And and so so the spear gun is, like, very accurate and has a lot of, like, it can go farther, but you spend at least half the time loading the damn thing. So I was immediately like, mm, don't know. Um, and option two, it's 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 a Sophie's choice here, okay? Because option two is this pole spear. And, and seriously, it's just a pole. It's like a one long stick with a pointy thing at the end. And then there's a, a loop, like a rubber band on the end of it. And so same kind of concept, but you loop the band around your arm and then using your opposite arm, you pull the you pull a spear down so that your extended arm is pulling the rubber band, you know, and you're holding on to the spear. So when you let go, I'm the rubber band. I'm releases. familiar with the pull spear. Yeah. I've what? I've watched Survivor. <laughs> oh Jesus! Okay, yeah, this is like really hard for me to explain because I feel like I don't have the right vocabulary for it. But okay, so if you've seen Survivor, you've apparently seen a pole spear. So the pole spear is very lightweight. And it's possible to rig it up so that like um, there's a like a, a line that loops around your wrist. So even when you let it go, you just pull it back. Fish or no fish, right? So you can shoot it off a million times. Now, as you might have guessed, the drawback of the pole spear is that it's not as accurate as the gun. And you don't have as much force or like distance as the gun. So it's like precision hunting. Um, and so... And so I feel like I have to choose, like, I should choose a specialization. And I'm leaning toward pole spear, mainly because I don't like the idea of guns. And also because I feel like Xena, the underwater warrior princess of, you know, when I'm like, I'm just going to go out here with my spear. It feels a little more fair. You know, like if I'm going to kill something, like, I don't really have a lot of extra help. I just have this pointy thing and a rubber band. (laughs) I'm going to, like, do this. So that's kind of the adventure. Pointy end. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I love it a lot. Well, and then, I can't wait to hear how you're an expert in uh, oh spear, and also why you should be on fucking Survivor because no. I feel like all of your shit has been preparing you for this. Okay. No. I follow, I follow Stephanie Johnson who was on Survivor. Not for that reason. Like I followed her and then she got on Survivor. Um, and she had a bad experience and I don't know exactly what happened and I haven't really watched Survivor in ever I've watched a few episodes, so I don't know. But um, I do agree that I have some of the skills. But the real question, Laura, is like, what if we go and we do this and I like go out with my little pointy stick and like, what if I never catch a fish the whole time? You know? Okay, but what if I don't? Then you don't, but you definitely try it anyway. I mean, I suppose, yeah. No. That your partner will be able to shoot something yeah. with with something. Yeah, my partner actually built a spear gun. So he has a lot of skills um, with shooting things and, and whatever. So, yeah, and, and there's other people there. And I wouldn't even have to, 
attempt fishing if I didn't want to and they would still have food for me. Like, that's not, that's not the thing. I think I'm just like, oh, that could be like sad if, if, if I'm, well, if I'm just like the worst, but what I've learned from like trying other athletic things is that you think you might be the worst and you're usually not. And you usually do get better. And a lot of it is just willingness to try and fail and try again. And like you become average by getting over the uncomfortableness of being bad at something. I should know. I've been bad at a lot of things. Right. And I think the other important thing is like to remember, like if you were to try like the iron marathon and not be able to complete it, like that's not necessarily the point. Yeah. Is the point is like that you're doing a thing and like that's the point. So whether or not you finish the swim around an island or bike a hundred miles or, you know, it's a journey jar of pickles. Yeah. (laughs) That's the point. That's the adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. Like one thing I've heard in triathlon is that the race should be your victory lap and that it's really about like doing triathlon is more about all the time that you spend preparing than what happens on the day of of a race. Because like you could crash your bike immediately and just be done or you could get food poisoning or whatever. But it's it's like hopefully you're doing it for what you get out of it along the way as well, which is more than just physical, too. Um, So, yeah, maybe a subject for a future adventure update. All right, Laura, I think we've had enough bad patienting for one day. read <laughs> <laughs> long silence um so if you want to send us your questions your comments um your topic suggestions you can send us words of the day you can ask us adventure questions you can give us your situation that you'd like laura's advice about i'm telling you she's fantastic by emailing us at hello at the until next time we are bad patient thanks for listening